Andrew Goretsky, who we so appreciate coming in with us live in studio to talk about your latest, the ADL report here, that gives us really a picture of where we are. And and I thank you first for joining us and really putting in perspective something that on a breaking news or daily situation, I'm reporting on attacks on many faith-based places. We're seeing churches and synagogues and that sort of thing, recently reporting on Port Richmond, what was going on there. But first of all, good morning. Thank you for being with us here today. Good morning, and thank you for having us here today. Absolutely. I appreciate being here and appreciate you having us in the studio this morning. So can you take me through this? And and I was just uh, telling I was just telling Andrew that my 16-year-old just finished a major research paper for his 10th grade research paper on anti-Semitism and the history of it in America. And when I showed him the advanced version I had of this, he said, Mom, if you could have had this a week ago, it would have helped me so much. I do think education is the key. So, but take us through the the basic, you know, as you look at this, what kind of snapshot does it give you? Are we worse off? Are we better off? So the, the Anti-Defamation League has been putting out our audit for anti-Semitic incidents since 1979. Um, this year nationally is the highest on record. We had over a 30% increase nationally in the number of incidents of harassment, vandalism, and assault um, that were anti-Semitic in nature. Regionally, we saw the highest number we've seen in Pennsylvania at 114 incidents, up from 69 last year. In New Jersey, we also saw the highest at 400, over 400 incidents. Yeah, and it's important when you look at those stats, when you say 69 to 114, it's not that it's the highest and it's up 5%. I mean, you're, that's a 50%. These are huge spikes. Correct. And, and these are huge increases in numbers and it's definitely uh, concerning. The reality is, is one incident against any group, whether it's anti-Semitism, racism, anti-LGBTQ yeah. hate, or any identity is one too many. Um, but, you know, this gives us a picture of where we are at this moment in time, what occurred in 2022, and having that information is important as we continue to work together as a society to push back what's been a rising tide of hate. Yeah, and it's not surprising to me because we've seen a spike in violent crime in general, but there's also an aspect to it, I think, post-pandemic, what what we know, there is this rise of, and that's why off the top I reported on domestic violence, police and law enforcement telling me they've never seen this level of domestic violence happening, the mental health aspect to it. And then I had mentioned the TikTok CEO testifying before Congress, the aspect of social media and and the impact on social media and how people can be anonymous, essentially, say things, put them out there, and then it becomes sort of an incendiary device for that. Correct. And, you know, I think that the, the reality here is when we look at all the different causes, there's no one reason that we're seeing a rise in hate total and in anti-Semitism, which this report highlights. Um, you know, we've seen uh, far more organized white supremacist activity in our state over the last number of years. Um, I came to ADL a year ago to be the regional director for the Philadelphia office. 
uh, after serving 23 years in higher education. Um, and my doctorate's actually in student engagement in mobile technology and have seen firsthand how the proliferation of hate online and the ability to spread incendiary uh, language and hateful ideology um, is something that continues to push this uh, into the mainstream. And I was saying when I first talked, uh, took this position that this is becoming normalized. It is normalized now, and we have to come together as a larger society to push back this tide of hate. Yeah, and it's one thing, I, you know, I'll take you in a few different places. So I remember when, when, I, when I was at... Fox 29, anchoring the 10 o'clock news, beginning out. I was there about 10 years. But in the beginning, I had a new co-anchor, Dave Huddleston, and was the first for the first time a late-night main anchor, an African-American man coming to the station. Not that anybody said that. They just hired the best guy for the job. He's a great guy, and we're still longtime friends. But at that time, we received threats because he was an African-American man re- being re- uh, replacing a, a white man who had had that job before. And they were real threats. And it was, you know, an experience where we were being told we couldn't go out the front door, you know, right here on Market Street, couldn't go out the front door of the building because the threats were real. Law enforcement was involved. They were investigating. I, there were skinheads and they were from across the nation and from this area. And, you know, so I always say to people and they say, oh, this stuff isn't real. I'm like, no, it was real. And I remember saying, no, I'm not going to walk out the back door. And Dave Huddleston and Joyce Evans, who you may know, longtime anchor woman, said, um, Dawn, y- y- we need to go out the back door. Like this is, but it, it was a conversation that we had at that time. And we had to have the security and all of those investigations. And I look back at that time and I remember Joyce said, you know, it's always good in a way the blessing is when everybody can feel what racism feels like. Not just an African-American person, but when everybody in the building has to go out the back door, then everybody feels what ism, whether it's, you know, hatred, whether it's anti-Semitism or anti-Catholic or, you know, and it was a profound thing that she said. I still remember it to this day. Everybody felt it. And I think in many ways, that's what we're trying to do here and what the ADL, what you're trying to do. One of the one of the things that we know pushes back against hate is empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what you're talking about there is um, wherever we can develop empathy, which is why, as you said earlier on in this conversation, the need for education um, and Mm -hmm. the need to make sure that we're talking about it, we're educating sharing stories, telling stories, um, and ensuring that individuals understand the pain that this can cause and how people can feel like they won't belong regardless of, and and everybody should belong in our community regardless of their identity. Um, And so, you know, I think I can remember a time when uh, I would go to my synagogue and there wasn't an armed guard in front. Mm -hmm. I remember when it was just high holidays. Um, And then just this past weekend, my own synagogue uh, installed our uh, new senior rabbi. Wonderful time, wonderful celebration that the synagogue put on. It wasn't lost on me that we had a police car out the whole weekend Mm -hmm. and an armed guard the whole weekend. Um, 
And this is this is the reality of the increase in hate that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think the, the continued talking about it, making sure that people understand the issues related to it. And as we've talked about, it's, you know, this report is putting a spotlight on anti-Semitism. But we know that anti-Semitism can also be the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. And we know that hate is rising. And in times of anxiety, we just, you know, we've had a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, you know, economic uncertainties. Um, and at a time when anxiety is high, people are looking for scapegoats and often minority groups um, Get the blame. Are, are those scapegoats. And so we just we need our leaders. We need our political leaders. We need our community leaders. And and the reality is, the, even though these numbers are higher doing this work, one of the things that gives me an immense amount of hope is when something does occur. I see the number of people who come out against it. Mm -hmm. I see the number of people who come out in community. And this is the type of thing that doesn't get reported on as much as the Mm -hmm. incident itself. Um, And there are far more people who are against this hateful rhetoric um, than people who, who are doing it. We see it rising, but we all have to speak out and come together on it. Yeah. And that's, I can tell you, it was a long time news reporter and that, it only takes, let's say, just talking about news of the day and crime, it actually only takes a tiny percent of people to cause all the crime that we see. Yep. And the, and I would say the same is true in, in this report, this major new report that you've just released. It only takes a few. and that, But then what what's different to me is the social media aspect, which then supersizes that. Well, and, and I think with this report in particular, I, I agree with you on those pieces. I think the thing I would add which we talked about at the beginning, is the significant increase in numbers. I mean, I can't say it enough that one incident is still one too many. Right. But that being said, there's this significant increase. And then nationally, um, there's been this significant increase in violent acts. Yes. Um, especially targeting people who are Orthodox or visibly Jewish. Yes. Um, and so, you know... I saw that video a, go viral. And um, the, yeah. yeah. And this is just a threat to the to the community in a way that... You know, I've spoken to many a Jewish person who, you know, on a college campus isn't wearing their Star of David the way that they used to, isn't, um, you know, showing who they are and being proud of their identity. And they're proud of their identity, but they're reticent to be outward about it. And that shouldn't have to be the case in our society um, when we're fearful of, of what's increased violence. And so we're continuing the conversation here live with Dr. Andrew Goretzky, who's been named the regional director of ADL Philadelphia, the regional office here, and serves all of eastern Pennsylvania, as well as southern New Jersey, the entire state of Delaware. You know, this new report that you have, can you just tell me how we look as opposed to the rest of the nation? Because that's concerning to me as well. And I have experienced what you're talking about going to friends, um, either bat mitzvahs or bar mitzvahs. And I told coworkers yesterday, you know, there were both of those, they had to hire private police to be outside. And everybody sees that walking in, walking out. And it, and I just said to friends, well, if it were your, you know, I don't know, your child's Catholic, you know, confirmation or Christian uh, baptism, that's not something that I think. That, that is generally normal at a Christian faith-based, you know, church. And, and so that's not the norm. And so this is something different. It's at a higher 
supersized level that I, I don't remember going to bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs and seeing police out there. I mean, unless it's like a busy synagogue and maybe it's a traffic control, but that's not what this is. Well, so what's what's cha- what's going on? Well, I mean, obviously, Pennsylvania um, has had the worst case of massacre yeah. towards the Jewish community in Pittsburgh with the Tree of Life Synagogue, and the the trial is actually beginning in the latter part of April, however many years later that we are. Um, where a number of indi- individual people were killed based on a white supremacist conspiracy theory um, is what he used as his rationale for that massacre. And so in Pennsylvania, we've seen this, and he found out and found out about those conspiracy theories through online means and posted a lot of that online. It's also the same hateful screed that the shooter who committed the top supermarket massacre occurred in in Buffalo Mm -hmm. last year. Um, And so when we look at this and we see this in general, there was a large increase in security following Tree of Life. Um, I was working as a dean of students in higher ed at the time. My son was seven. um, And I have a very vivid memory of the next day dropping him off at Hebrew school and having a lump in my throat um, and dropping him off in the the fear of that, but still needing to do that yeah. and and needing to continue and, and move on. And it was actually in that moment that I was really learning about ADL and the work that ADL does to fight domestic extremism, to fight against hate in all forms um, moving forward. And so, you know, we obviously saw that case. We see increase in violence, which brings in some of those components of needing this higher level of security. Um, and we have wonderful partners which help train synagogues and local nonprofits in doing so. Um, and and let's be clear, um, Jewish synagogues are not the only place that this has happened. Obviously, mm-hmm. this is the anti-Semitism report. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it with black churches. We've seen it with Muslim and mosques. Yeah. We've seen it with other religions um, as well. So this is, when you're a minority religion, unfortunately, this is this is a potential reality these days. I know in Port Richmond in the Northeast, just this week, and I think the Inquirer and their article that's on the cover of their digital edition is they're saying that, <clears throat> you know, residents in Port Richmond inter- interviewing them, waking up, finding these white supremacists, kind of like a recruitment campaign going on, all these stickers and a lot of, you know, people DMing me about it and saying this was uh, disturbing to them that it was, you know, either racist or anti-Semitic messages. And that's just it. It's real for people. When you get something like that, you think, oh, my goodness. Yeah, we you know, that that incident occurred. Yeah. I wish I could say that that's a rare occurrence. It's not um, in 2021. So we also this is our anti-Semitism audit that's released today. We also put out a white supremacist propaganda report mm-hmm. that was put out a few weeks ago. Um, in 2021, Pennsylvania actually had the highest rate of white supremacist propaganda in the country. We had had over 400 inc- 470 incidents of white supremacist propaganda compared to the next closest state, Virginia, which was at 370. And this is about intimidating minority communities. It's about recruiting people into their twisted ideologies Mm -hmm. um, and bringing people into that fold. And they do it in a way where they want to draw attention. So one of the things we really encourage people to do when they see it, 
definitely report it to police, report it to ADL. Please don't take pictures of it and put it on social media. When you do that, you're giving those organizations more publicity and more media attention that we don't want them to get. And news agencies, when you do it, we ask them when they put things on their websites, please blur out the name of the organization or blur out the QR code so that individuals can't then get extra uh, publicity for these organizations. We don't want to lift up their voice even further when they do it. But this is happening quite frequently uh, these days, as we saw in Port Richmond just a few days ago. Yeah. So, you know, 65% increase in this overall Pennsylvania. That's unbelievable. Yep. It really is. You know, just down the street, I know our, our Jewish museum and I, uh, it's right by Fox. And when it was being constructed, so beautiful. And we were excited for the opening and covered the opening. And then amid the pandemic was closed down and now reopened. But, you know, you think about our schools being, you know, education being impacted and museums are a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, moving forward, when you look at the big picture, schools, museums, education, how do you get the word out to reach, especially I talked about, you know, I started out by talking about my son's research paper, but really education is where it's all about. I remember 10 years ago doing reports on the fact and going locally to even college campuses and asking people just different factoids about the Holocaust or something like that. Pennsylvania is one of the states that did not have Holocaust education. And so it was a, a stark contrast New Jersey did. And they were like really basic things, and you know, and people didn't know that. And so to me, part of this, a piece of this is to be in the schools and to be present in, in our minds. You know, if you see something, you say something. But how do you put all of that together? How does the ADL work with all these different communities? So, you know, I think one, as you're mentioning, it is a whole society approach. When you look at ADL in particular, we have 25 regional offices across the country. So each regional office is focused on the ground working with communities. In my own office, I have an operations team that works on incident response, relationships with law enforcement, advocacy for policies at the state level and in government. So very recently, um, I actually testified at a committee hearing in Trenton um, asking for surveys of the Holocaust education work that's going on. We continue to advocate for Holocaust education at the state level um, in other locations. And so we see that component of it there. I also have an education team that does a lot of Holocaust education. The museum, um, the National Museum of American Jewish History, the Weitzman down the road is Mm -hmm. obviously a wonderful place to go to learn about American Jewish history in particular. And Um, and I'm just going to interrupt you real quick there because maybe people don't realize that it was renamed uh, after, of course, Shoe Magnate. I'm sure I have many shoes by Stuart Weitzman, so that's how we, we know him, but renamed in his honor for his generous donations and contributions. Absolutely. Um, And so, you know, there's that component we have in our own education team. We do Holocaust education. We have our No Place for Hate program, which is really about anti-bias in all forms Mm -hmm. um, and working against hate in all forms. And we'll work with schools and school districts. We can do trainings at the college level with what's going on on college campuses. Um, and we also are encouraging a large part uh, of businesses and companies. When people ask me, 
you know, what are the two things that we can do right now to push back the tide of anti-Semitism in particular? Um, one is report, report, report. Mm -hmm. um, yes, the numbers are going up, but we still know this is underreported. We need people to report. The second thing is, is talk with your school district, talk with your schools, talk with your place of business, and just ask, how is anti-Semitism or anti-Jewish um, or anti-Semitism or Jewish culture being incorporated into their diversity, equity, and inclusion work? Mm -hmm. um, just asking the question brings an awareness to that mm -hmm. and ensuring that it's included amongst all the things we need to include in diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Um, but that's where working with the schools, parents advocating at the mm -hmm. school level yeah. to work with I want them to work with ADL because I obviously believe in our <laughs> work. Uh, but, you know, there's also plenty of resources in the area um, that individuals can use around Holocaust education and anti-Semitism education. You know, uh, my husband had interviewed Ben Ferencz, the prosecutor, who's still alive in Florida, by the way, um, who was in his 20s and during the Nuremberg trials was a prosecutor. And, you know, he had said to Larry, don't call these 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 individuals monsters because then you make it as if they weren't men, that this is possible. So when you think about this, how do you keep it real for, for everybody in society to, to have this top of mind, to be, um, you know, to, to be, what's the right word, I guess enlightened about what's really going on? I, I think it's to remember that we're all human beings, that yeah. there's there's often fear behind the hate mm -hmm. um, insecurity and insecurity in that component of it I would say you know it, it is it is important to I, I come after 23 years working in education in working in education I believe firmly that any person can be developed positively and effectively um, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have done that work for some time. And that's a huge part of what we do at the ADL, too. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons we have a youth conference uh, in December where we do anti-bias work with 10th and 11th graders. We had 400 people in person for the first time post-COVID post cool. to talk about what – and we had a reformed uh, neo-Nazi come and speak and talk with them about how did they get indoctrinated into that, how did they get out – and then the students worked out with, with uh, themselves how to go back to their schools and try to identify this early on um, because it doesn't start off at the extremes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't hear about – we hear about the person who's been indoctrinated into the hateful ideology and has committed the massacre. We haven't heard about and don't see on the news the hundreds of children who are impacted early on they might have had a mindset of hate, but it's switched based on an interaction. We don't have a log on that. Yeah. And But that happens, and that happens daily as long as we're all continuing to speak out against racism, anti-Semitism, anti-LGBTQ hate, um, and any form of hate. That's so beautiful. I mean, that's a beautiful side of it, but you talk about how they can be, um, you know, turned around and then turn around their life to the better but it brings me to one point of, of your ADL, the, the study that's just out today, has a little segment all into itself all about Kanye West. Yay. Y-E as he's known. And what happened with him. I know there's a mental health aspect 
and a theme to what we're talking about. I know Dave Chappelle, who knows him, had had recently tried to um, poke fun at that in essence, or, or use his use his humor to 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 try to educate people and at the same time uh, laugh at that. But the truth is that it's significant when a celebrity like Kanye West, who a lot of young people, especially might uh, look up to that celebrity matters as well. Well, and, and that's one definite specific example. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, you know, I'm going to continue to work for always trying to change hearts and minds and and moving there may be individuals we can't do that with um ye formerly known as kanye we saw and we saw in our own region the uptick of harassment towards jewish students in the k through 12 middle and high schools mm -hmm. following that um he has 30 million followers on social media that's more than the number of jewish people who exist in the world um there's only 15 million powerful. jewish people and it's it's powerful, and this is where children are really the barometer of how mainstream hate is becoming because they will repeat what leaders and public figures are saying as well as what they hear in the home. And so it's really important that we speak up in our homes and talk about this and fight back this and any other form of hate. Well, I, I thank you so much. I could talk to you all day. It's it's such a blessing. It must be for you, in many ways, a blessing to have this job. Because I can tell about, you know, you have such a personal passion to just get out there in a positive energy way to educate and bring people together. So we, we need the uniters. It must feel good to be part it, of this. You know, as I... As I've been in the position for years, I've often said to people, I wish there wasn't a need for my job. I'd love to put myself out of work, <laughs> um, but I enjoy doing this work, um, and it's and it's wonderful to be able to work with the community to fight back against this hate. Andrew, before you get out of here, uh, I thank you for coming. I just wanted to ask you before we wrap up. Um, the trends with hate, I, I know you mentioned before, social media is a concern, obviously, and getting their messaging out there is a concern as well. I kind of have been of the mind lately that I feel like I almost like being aware and knowing that these hate groups are out there and seeing them on social media, because if we don't see them, if they're on these obscure sites like 4chan or in a Discord chat, like we saw with the Buffalo shooter, uh, I, I just think when they're in hiding, it's almost even harder to combat. How, how do we kind of mitigate that and make sure that they're seen and we're aware of them, but also kind of not really propping them up and giving them the media coverage that you claim to not want? Well, and I think that's the, the trick. And if I had the magic bullet, uh, the answer on that, and that, the poor, poor metaphor there, but if I had the magic answer there, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd, I'd be able to solve that problem for social media. Um, the reality here is we we absolutely want to be aware. We want to know, but we don't want to prop up. And when I talk about this, and I could go on too long on this because my dissertation is similar in this area, so I could talk way too long about this. Um, there's a difference between the disinformation and misinformation. And when mm -hmm. I talk about those two different things, there are groups of people putting disinformation out, which is intentional false information to get people to a certain worldview that is conspiracy related and, and false. Misinformation is when I've read a piece of disinformation, I believe it and I repost it. 
And so what we need people to do and what we need to teach from a social media perspective is our students need to know critical thinking around what they're seeing online, judge what they're seeing online, and do the background and make sure it's a trusted source that we're getting that information from and not unintentionally spreading the disinformation that somebody else is. Um, police officers and members of our Center on Extremism sit in some of those darkest places of the web finding that disinformation. I'm glad I don't do that on yeah. a daily basis. I couldn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that those individuals are there doing that job to protect us. Um, the challenge is, is when we have our students um, doing the misinformation and, yeah. and adults resharing that. And so try to not do that would be my answer. Well, Dr. Andrew Goretzky, thank you so much with the ADL for coming by in person to meet you and to talk about your great work. Thank you so much for being here today.